0: Lord, thank you so much for um, your gift to us of your word, and we pray that as we read it, and as we hear it, and as we um, take it in and digest it, that it will speak to us, that your gospel will penetrate our defenses, and that you will speak to us directly, and that we will hear your, your thoughts. And your words, we just give you our whole lives. We give you this whole world. We ask that your will would be done in every way, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're looking this morning at Acts chapter four, verses thirty-two through thirty-seven. So, if you want to pull out your pew Bibles, you can do that. I encourage you to read your Bible every day. This is God's word. This is uh, this is. The word from God, the letter from God, the love letter from God, the instructions from God, the answers from God. Read this. This is huge. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, in in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's powerful. We rely on you and the message you have given to us through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, uh, we have. uh, Uh, entered our uh, fourth week here of our All In series, you'll remember that we started out with me telling you that amazing story of Cortez who got his 500 guys on shore in Mexico and then burned all his ships and said, we're going to conquer Mexico, period. We're going to do it or we're going to die. So what are you going to do? He forced them to be all in. I praise God that God does not force us to be all in. God invites us to be all in. He invites us to be fully devoted followers of him. He invites us to step beyond just being consumers of religion and being followers, being disciples. And we noted that when we follow Jesus, there will be a cost. Jesus will begin to give us wisdom and direction as to how to live our lives in a better way. Our dreams and our plans will be subject to the call of God on our lives. And that will be a a good thing because despite how we feel, God actually knows better than we do how to live our lives and how we can best flourish. New relationships will form around our common pursuit of God, but perhaps other relationships may slip away. Other uh, things you've been involved in in the past may slip away. Things that you used to prioritize may slip away because there's a sense that sometimes folks... Realize how serious we are about Christ. Not dourfully serious, but happily, joyfully serious we are about following Jesus with all we have. And it begins to, it, it affects them. It begins to change relationships. Our culture will push back on us when we are obedient to God. There will be those who will begin to say that um, uh, we, uh, we're wrong and. Uh, We're wrong to make exclusive claims that Jesus is the way to salvation, that he's the only way to have a relationship with God, the only way to live eternally. There will be those who will try to punish us for that in various ways. And that will be some of the costs that we will pay. But following Jesus is worth it. Not just being consumers, but being followers, disciples of Christ. The world will not be changed by consumers who are only in it for themselves, the world will only be changed by the grace of God and the lives of followers, disciples who are all in for Jesus and for his church. And our goal, friends, is that Bemis Point United Methodist Church would be 100% all in. That every single one of us here, and those who can't be with us here this weekend, that we would all be all in, 100% for Christ. That we would be folks who say straight out, I want to be a follower of Jesus no matter what, no matter what the cost, because I know that the life-changing reality of what that means in my life thus far and what it will mean in my life as it goes into the future and into the lives of my children and of my parents and of others who are around me, co-workers, neighbors, is huge and it's worth it. And so we come to that question that we keep raising in front of ourselves. Are we going to be consumers of religion Or are we going to be followers, disciples of Jesus? We all start out as consumers. We experience the benefits of life with Jesus. But eventually, Jesus calls us to more, to be all in, to be more than just consumers, but followers, to give our lives to him and to his cause. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when God bids a person come to him, he bids that person come and die. He meant to die to yourself, die to your own agenda and live to the freedom and the life that Christ offers us and Christ alone. We've begun to flesh out that theme of being all in over the last two weeks. Two weeks ago we reminded people that being all in was to be witnesses for Jesus. We read Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. That's what we do when we're all in. We speak freely about Jesus in our lives. We tell people about Jesus. We let people know by our words and actions that this is serious. And so when people say, hey, can you come over next Sunday? We say, I'd love to after church why? because of course I'm going to go worship I'm I'm a human being, I'm designed to worship something I will worship something this week I choose to worship God and so I'll be glad to come on over after church and you know when we say something like that it's huge because it plants a seed, it plants a seed of faith in that person's life really? they're really cool and they're still going to church oh my goodness and it, it plants a seed of doubt as well like, what would it, what is, what is going on there that I don't know about? It's like they begin to doubt that what they're doing is more important than what Christ is doing. It isn't more important. It's good for them to doubt that. And last week we talked about how people who are all in with Jesus are people who are joined together constantly in prayer. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to china said this the power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity if we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness and failure and disappointment let us answer god's standing challenge and that standing challenge he was talking about was from jeremiah 33 3 here's here's the words of god call to me and i will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know Hudson Taylor was saying, have we even tried it? Have we really dug in? Have we pressed in to prayer? And so Pastor Kristen challenged you last week. She gave out a little handout to pray for the pastors, but also to pray for others who are around you. And and some of you, I mean, many of you were here. And so I'm just going to really, wow, all in is about accountability, right? How many people pressed into prayer a little more this week than last week. All right. Whoa, yeah. Great. Great, great, great. That's good. That's good. God is working in our midst. And he's not calling us to play. He's calling us to really go for it. You know, we're not just like kicking the ball around. We're playing a serious game. It's not just, oh, you know, whoever wins. Will be it's like the championship. God is calling us, will we respond? Well, today we're looking briefly at this powerful passage we read from Acts chapter 4. These are the principles that uh, are coming forth. Witnessing, prayer, and now another principle for what it means to be all in for Jesus. All the believers, it says, were one in heart and mind. They had this unity of heart and mind. You know, sometimes unity comes about because of a common enemy. And they were certainly experiencing opposition Uh, Peter and John had just been dragged before the Sanhedrin and threatened, and they were worried about um, whether they would uh, live through it, and they did. But these folks were experiencing more than opposition. They were experiencing a unity that comes when you have a common great cause that you're behind. They had a Savior who had been raised from the dead. They had amazing good news. This was This guy was dead, and now he's alive. And it's a promise that death doesn't have the last word in our world. And that is a huge, powerful thing. And these folks had lived it, they had seen it, and they were just telling other people about it. They were like, look, whatever's going on in your life, there's something more. It's called Jesus. Latch on to him, because that is worth it. Their hearts and minds were convinced they were devoted It says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. You know, uh, nobody claimed, it says here, that they were owners of anything. No one claimed that any of their possessions were was their own. I noticed about ten years ago something strange happening on the weather on the news. The weathermen, whoever they were, started saying, and now for your Wednesday, it's gonna be sunny. And your Thursday is gonna be sunny too, and then your Friday's gonna be rainy and then your Saturday's gonna be and I'm like, when did it become mine? When did Wednesday become mine? Because they're telling me, it's mine. And you know what? I push back on that. And you can ask Pastor Kristen how annoying that is. Every time I watch the weather, I'm like, it's not my Wednesday. It's not my Thursday. It's not my weekend. It all belongs to God, right? You're going to see that you're you're never going to watch the weather the same again. You're going to note it. And, and it's just like consumerism seeping into the weather. Okay? But it's seeping in everywhere. Our culture is telling us it's all about you. It's all what you own. It's not. They shared everything they had in common. This isn't some sort of early socialism It wasn't that they just discovered one day some kind of requirement from Jesus that you had to share everything in common and give up a bunch of your own money. It was that they discovered that people are so much more valuable than money. It became a very natural thing for them to share what they had. They did it because they deeply loved God and they deeply loved each other and they just pulled their stuff together and said, let's make sure everyone's taken care of. They were committed to making the gospel known, to allowing the apostles to preach, and even they became preachers as well. They weren't in it for themselves. They were all in for the sake of others coming to know Jesus and being filled by his spirit. And then these final little verses here about a particular person who was all in, a guy named Barnabas. Listen to what it says about him. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, isn't it interesting? Barnabas' name was not Barnabas. It was Joseph. He was just your average Joe. All right? But... He wasn't your average Joe because he was a guy who lived his life in such a way that they gave him a nickname. And the nickname they gave him was the son of encouragement. There was something about what he did. He encouraged others. He did what it was necessary to do to build up and grow others. And in this case, he's an encouragement because of his actions of generosity. He goes out and he sells his field. It's just one more way that he was encouraging. I just went to my uh, 30th class reunion from college last week, and I know that none of you could have believed that I could have a 30th class reunion. Thank you very much. (laughs) And it was amazing. It was so powerful to be with my friends and uh you know we're remembering all these old times and and it was it was fun and we worshiped together and we laughed a ton and we just spent so much time uh remembering all these things and uh and we just loved on each other it was so good to see people and some people i've seen you know every few years and some people i haven't seen for 30 years and it's just good to give them a hug and do you know what people have nicknames people have nicknames that i totally forgot about and um uh there were these two guys who played soccer. Their nicknames were Crash and Dozer, <laughs> as in Bulldozer. And you might imagine what kind of soccer players they were. It was, it was good. It's always good to reconnect with people and remember their nicknames. Barnabas' nickname was the son of encouragement. He went out, he sold his field, he stepped up, he sold it. He gave the money for the cause. And what an amazing encouragement that was. My question to you is, what's your nickname? What's your spiritual nickname? If your friends were going to give you a nickname about how you live your life, about how your devotion to Christ comes out, what would they call you? I, I look out, I can see helper, encourager. So many things. What would they call you? And maybe I could ask this, what would you want to be called? What would you want people to be like, yo, how you doing? Friendliest guy around. You know, I, what, what would it be? What would you want it to be? Barnabas's was the son of encouragement. You know, we're talking about being all in about growing our faith and if we really want to grow our faith we see from the text here that barnabas and this early church they were on to something special here's what it is generosity grows faith i'll just say that again generosity grows faith you and i we don't own anything not even wednesday 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You know what that means? It means you belong to Christ. It means everything about you belongs to Christ. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Every relationship that you have, every family member that you have, it's a gift from God. Everything we are and we possess belongs to Jesus. And one of the best ways to remind ourselves of that is to give a little back to God. This is a, a tipping point in our culture. We don't just want to be a good church and expect people to show up because we're a, a nice place to be and, and God is here and it feels good. We want to be an all-in church. See, the, the world around us is starting to ignore churches that aren't all-in. But churches that are all-in People pay attention to those. Why? Because you can sense the Holy Spirit here. Because you can sense that there's a love and a devotion to God. There's a willingness to stand up and say what is true despite what everybody else says. There's a love for each other which is palpable. There's a place where people love God and love each other so much that nobody could consider them to be consumers of religion Only followers of Jesus who are filled with joy and hope because of it. Friends, there's a whole generation, generations growing up around us who flat out do not know who Jesus is. And we cannot do church as usual here or any other place. We must have an urgency about lost people. God calls us to be all in in our witnessing, all in in our prayer, and all in in our generosity And when it comes to the financial side of church, are you a consumer? Or are you a follower? What do you give to God financially? Do you give it a percentage rate? Or are you just a casual giver? You know, a casual giver is a person who goes, oh my goodness, it's the offering. What do I have in my pocket? Um, A mint, a Kleenex, a ticket stub from the movie, a buck. I got a buck." yeah. That's casual. Are you more than that? If you do give to God at a percentage rate, do you know what that percentage is? If not, are you willing to figure it out? And if you do, are you willing to ask God if it's the rate that he wants you to give in your life? I just want to ask you briefly, just experience a little mental exercise here. I want you to think, Do I know what I give to God? And if you don't, just picture a big question mark. I tried to do that backwards for your sake. It's really hard to make a backwards question mark. I don't really know, question mark. If you do give percentage-wise, what's the number? What's the percent you give to God? Can you picture it? Are you willing to talk to God about it? Friends, this is one more way, one more way of growing our faith. All things that are precious to us, we plan for. I put my kids' games on the calendar because I want to go to them. Pastor Kristen and I go to Niagara-on-the-Lake every year for our anniversary. It's important. Our family goes to the cider mill to make cider every year. Our family goes to the two family reunions every year. Our family goes to worship every week. We prioritize it. We prioritize what we give, what we tithe. We go to grandma's for Christmas. We celebrate birthdays. If it's precious to us, we plan for it. What are you planning to generously give to God this year? If you want to be all in with following God, one of the easiest ways to do it is to plan your giving. And start living generously with others. And you know what? You might get a new nickname out of it. Who knows? Who knows? Because people see it in your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. We love you so much. We're so, so thankful for those who have gone before us who are models for us. We're so thankful for the person who witnessed to us, help us know you. We're so thankful for the persons who have prayed for us, for the people we've witnessed to, for the people we've prayed for, and for the ways that those have given that we might know better you, and that ways we have given that others might know you. God, may we be an all-in church, nothing short of all-in We pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Friends, go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.